before we really jump in this morning, I wanted to do some housekeeping type stuff um, and really just kind of address a little bit from uh, last week's uh, message. Um, the boy preached hard, didn't he? And he did, yep. Um, preached hard, and, and I, I, appreciate, I appreciate tough preaching. I mean, I, I appreciate, I mean, God's Word's tough, period. And anytime we open it, there's going to be conviction, there's going to be the Holy Spirit working and doing, and anytime we look at, at God's Word, and so... Um, and tough truth was shared last week, and so uh, what I've learned is this, is that presentation matters, kind of the how in the way you present God's Word, and so um, I love conviction, and I love passion, and so w- what I want to do for a moment, when I say housekeeping, what I want to do for the moment is I kind of want to fill in some gaps, I believe, with what was taking place and what was going on um, in the heart of Brenton. Brenton is one that we've had come and preach for us multiple times, um, and so just want to kind of share some of the stuff that he didn't share. So uh, that morning, last Sunday morning, about 4 a.m., I think, is whenever him and his wife got up. Um, and they got up uh, kind of out of panic because she was having some intense back pain. Um, unsure what was going on. They end up going down to the ER. They're at the ER. Uh, I get a phone call at about 9.20, which service starts at 10. Um, uh, and so the call was, hey, I'm at the ER, but I'm going to make it. I'm like, What? You've got to get more filler, man. You can't just, huh? Um, Scott, everything's good. Everything's good. Just um, brought, brought my wife down, Elizabeth. She's having some intense, sharp back pain. We don't know what's going on. They're going to run some tests, do some things like that. She's told me to go. She's told me to go and be there and to preach and, and to come and, and be here and, and share and, and, and tell, tell of, of what God's put on my heart. And so, um, so I'm going to do that. So he comes rolling in. I think, I mean, it was like literally like at 9.57. He gets here. Um, still not 100% sure what's up when he left, and so he, he gets here, um, and so he preaches, knowing his wife's down at the ER, having some tests run and things like that going on, and so there's, there's that going on there. Um, also, he's about four weeks removed from a uh, Nepal mission trip, um, and so while he was on that trip, um, some things happened there that were just, man, just kind of rock your world and kind of just, just, really just grip your soul, um, and the thing about I think the thing that breaks my heart about the church in America compared to the church around the world is that a relationship with Jesus in other countries really means something. And I'm not saying that it doesn't here. I just think that we've got kind of comfortable, kind of content uh, in, in our, our walking with Jesus that we have forgotten the cost uh, that, that Jesus talks about quite often and what it means to be a follower of his. And so he's removed about four, five weeks, six weeks, something in that area from being in Nepal where he goes over to train pastors. So you'll have pastors who will get on mopeds and drive like four to eight hours to come to these trainings just to hear the gospel so they can take the gospel back and share with their people in their village. And I'm not talking like, like Highway 9 type roads to get there. I'm talking about like little dirt roads in the jungle to get there, four to eight hours. And so while he was there uh, those weeks ago, there was a gentleman driving about five hours on a moped, gets to the town, city where they're going to be. He's in a moped accident gets thrown off, hits his head on a, a cement barrier, um, and he's in a coma the whole time they're there. So he's in the hospital trying to, to pray for the family, to love on that family, to be there with them and do different things as well as train and teach. And so he's got that going on in his heart and his mind because he's leaving tomorrow uh, to go back, or no, not tomorrow, Tuesday to go back to Nepal uh, for another two, two and a half weeks to do the same thing and train and love on and, and just get the gospel out to, to pastors and, and walk with them. And so uh, he had all of that. Um, kind of going on in the back of his mind, back of his heart. Um, and, and it is, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, to come on an Easter Sunday, and he was here with us on Easter, 
and to see a room and all the buzz and excitement for Easter. To get people here, to invite people. We're here, we're full, we're, we're, we're just excited. And, and as we, we can bring that excitement every other Sunday too, just FYI. Um, but uh, it, it does, I mean, that, that, like as a pastor, as a leader, as one that gets to share God's word, you're just like, oh, where are they at? What's happening? What's going on? Um, so he was here for that. And then, and then so, so that's, that's on the back of his mind. That's happening. Um, he made a comment while he was preaching about not having a job anymore. And so he was the pastor at Riverview, which he stepped down from probably about not long after he got back from Nepal. Um, and so I know for us as a church, that's a church that we're looking to absorb and to plant a church through, which we are unsure right now how that's going to pan out. Um, he was kind of the, the one that was going to bridge the gap for us and help us um, in that. Uh, and we just haven't heard back from them yet, so we're, we're still praying, seeing what, what's going to happen, what's going to take place, what's going to go there. So we're just kind of, as a church, kind of, I want to say, up in limbo, trying to figure out, uh, will we get to continue to proceed down that road, or will we not? Um, and, and I know the thought, and even kind of insecurity in my heart is this, well, Scott, you brought it out here, and you threw it out here to us. You're right, I did, and I believe that's what God wants us to do. We're going to be a church that plants churches, but I also believe, I don't know what it looks like for you to follow the Lord, but there's a lot of praying, there's a lot of seeking, there's a lot of walking with, and as doors open, you begin to walk through doors. And if God doesn't want you to go through that door, then what does he do? He usually shuts it, right? Or he makes known his will. And so as I look and as I pray and as I think about even sharing, okay, are we going to or are we not? We're not certain. We're going to continue to pray and seek and move that direction. And if it happens and God allows us to do that and they agree with it, then we'll continue to go that way. If not, then we'll begin praying again and seeing where, where, it'll, where it'll be, when it'll be, what that will look like. And so... Um, so he's just had a lot of that kind of stuff just on his heart happening in him, uh, going on with him. And so, um, so I just, I think some of that was just kind of pent up because that's not normally how he preaches. That's not normally how he, I mean, he'll tell you the truth and he'll give you a hard truth, um, but there's usually a little bit more grace um, applied there. And I, I think there's still grace. It's just um, the presentation of it there. There was a lot going on in our boy. And so um, I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in this morning. And so I'm just going to ask you to join me as we pray. Be praying for him. His wife uh, had a bladder infection. That's where the intense pain was coming from. They give her medicine and different things like that. Um, she's home doing well, um, and he is too. And so he's getting ready, like I said, to leave for Nepal Tuesday. So let's, let's be praying for him um, this morning and then just as he's on his trip in Nepal. And so I'm going to ask you if you join me to pray as we pray, and then we'll, we'll continue down uh, in God's Word. Father, we love you. Just thank you and praise you for this morning. Father, I pray that you just work and move like only you can. Um, I just want to pray for Brenton this morning. I know he's gearing up to head back to Nepal. God, just to be able to walk with these men in remote locations. Father, I just pray that you prepare his heart, prepare those, the heart of the people that get to hear, or that you would just work and do like only you can. Father, I just, I just, um, I just, I just pray that you would uh, make your presence known in this place this morning. Father, this is for you and for your glory, and so God, we ask that you would work and do like only you can, and as we open up your word and we dive in and we look at it, Father, that it would shape us and mold us, Father, that you would draw us, God, if there'd be heart here that doesn't know you as Lord, Lord, that you'd give them ears to hear what you have to say and uh, make them aware of their need for you. God, show them of how great and awesome and mighty and glorious you truly are, and then that, Father, you would draw them to you and save them. Father, for the heart that's hurting, God, that you'd bring hope and comfort like only you can, Father, for the heart maybe that's struggling and sin, God, that you would, you would break those chains, and Father, you'd be for them all that they need. And God, we, just, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you and we praise you for what you're going to accomplish this morning in this place. May you receive glory and honor. Should we pray? Amen. Amen. Hey. 
Man, um, so uh, this was about, about a month ago, and I'm laying there in bed, and all of a sudden, pow, 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 pow. And I'm kind of like halfway, like I'm, like I'm enough asleep to kind of just like let the pals go. But my wife was not. And so, like, I'm just like, my thing is, if, if it continues, then let's address it. But, it but, the, but she didn't think that that would be a good kind of plan to take care of whatever the pow, pow, pals were. And so she's like, did you hear that? And like trying to do that thing where I'm like, like still asleep. But it didn't, it didn't matter, it didn't work, because like she, she is aware of something that's not supposed to be happening somewhere near where we're at. And so we were at home, and so she finally gets me up, and um, I'm like, yeah, I kind of heard it. Are you going to do something about it? And like, it's dark in our room, so I don't know what her facial expression looks like or what, what's happening, which is probably better for me. And so, um, so I'm, I'm like, fine. Yes, and I know, I know what you're thinking, like the man's supposed to protect the house, supposed to be the, uh, and I completely agree with that. Yes, if I can, in fact, get up and get aroused enough and get aware enough and awake enough to take care of it, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And probably the one breaking in would hope that I would do that, because if you get a hold of my wife in the middle of the night like that, it's just not going to end well for you. So, um, like, like we may be able to kind of negotiate some things. The gospel's probably going to come to you, so I'll end up praying with you and giving you a peanut butter sandwich. She's going to shoot first and ask questions later. Um, and so, so anyway, so I'm getting up, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, because I'm aware now, and I'm like, y'all, like, I wear contacts. So if, if I don't have my contacts, then I can't see nothing. And so, like, I'm fumbling around, and I, I, I go into the bathroom, and I get my glasses, and then I'm standing at the door, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, well, boo, I'm pulling up the cameras to see if I can see anything. Like, I don't want to go out there blind. She's like, but our kids are out there. I'm like, but they're not screaming yet, so it's Okay. And, like, I was really thinking, like, if this thing went on long enough, she'd be like, okay, just come back to bed. It's okay. We're, we're all gone anyways if anybody's in here. But she, so I'm, like, I'm pulling because I want to know, like, what's happening, where they're at, what's going on, you know? Like, I want to, we've got the element of surprise right now in our bedroom because it's dark and they don't know what's what and my thinking, which is probably not good. And so finally, I, I, I just open the door and stand, stand outside the door just to make her think, like, I'm going after this, whatever it is. And so, um, so anyway, so, so that happens. I, I pull up the camp. The kids are still asleep. They didn't hear anything. I, I come walking back in. What was it? I said, I don't know. There's just some random pow, pow, pows outside the house. So we're good. Let's just go back to bed. And we go back to bed. And that was it. That was the story. Um, <laughs> we made it. We slept. I slept through the night like a baby. Uh, she, she probably was on edge. But, um, I mean, I slept well after that. Um, but I... I, I tell that story, a goofy, crazy, ridiculous story, one, to hopefully stir you to pray for me and my family all the more, especially my family, um, but, but what we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks, I mean, people can tell stories, right? People can tell funny stories, people can tell goofy stories, informative stories, stories that are not true, stories that are true maybe, all kinds of different stories, but then there are people that can really tell a story, that they can tell a story that can captivate an audience, they can tell a story, and as they tell that story, the hearer hears what they're saying, and it captivates them so much and pulls them in and draws them in, and it, and it demands a response from them in such a way that they move towards something far greater than themselves. And so uh, that's what we're going to look at over the next six weeks. We're just going to walk through this series on parables and stories that Jesus told. And so Jesus was one of those that could really tell a story. And he could tell a story in such a way that would captivate an audience, that would get their attention, that would pull at their heart, draw them closer, uh, and then share a truth that, that would hopefully forever and eternally change 
their heart. And so these stories that we're going to look at are called parables. And, and so a parable is just simply a, a story, um, a simple story that is used to illustrate a moral lesson or a spiritual lesson. Or, or another way to say it is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. It's an earthly story. So it would be a story of something that everybody would see and know and be aware of. And uh, uh, they would hear it because it would be something that would be before them often and always. And, and they would see it and they would know it. And then what would happen is as he tells the story, uh, kind of in the middle of the story, there would be these meanings. And at the end, the meaning would kind of come out. And you could see it even more so of a story that had an earthly, earthly situation or circumstance uh, that would really have a deeper, heavenly, spiritual meaning rooted to it. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning in Matthew 13, uh, starting in, in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse, verse 1. And so uh, this is a sermon I actually preached, or not a sermon, these scriptures are scriptures we looked at back in September of this past year. Um, and, and so don't, don't check out or don't think, oh, great, here we go, repeat, because that's, that's, not, what it, that's not what this is. And so I just, I just praying through this and trying to figure out what God would want to do in us and through us and with us as I was just praying, just really felt burdened with this one again. Um, and these are, this is one of the stories that I like to go to often to remind myself of some things, a, a story that I like to go to often to just uh, allow God to kind of just, just shape me and mold me and press me and, uh, and, and help me see uh, and be reminded of some important truths. Like one, like we have an enemy. Like when we read this story, you're going to see that there's an enemy involved, and, and that enemy of this day is the enemy of our day, and, and he is alive and he is moving and working and he wants to destroy and devour is what the scriptures would teach. Uh, we're also going to get to see the heart of God in this, the character and the nature of God in this story. Um, and then we're going to see the importance of the gospel. As we, as we read and hear this story, you're going to hear the importance of the gospel uh, being proclaimed and being shared. And so um, the thing I love about God's word is that it's active, right? That it's moving, that it's working. It's not just some stagnant story or book that we read that's got some cool stories in it, but that it's alive. And what I mean by that is this, is that the Holy Spirit works through the proclamation of the gospel. The proclamation of God's word. And so he shapes and he molds and he draws and he convicts and he encourages and he does a number of things that will forever eternally change us. That's what God's word does and that's what we're going to see even in this story. And then the third thing I'd want to point out is this, is not to forget our goal. That, that our goal that we set at the beginning of the year is that we want to share the gospel with a thousand people. And you're going to see why in this story. That's, that's one of the goals and one of the hearts behind what we're doing here at New Life is being uh, uh, intentional with sharing the gospel, making the good news of Jesus Christ known because in that, people hear and people are saved. And so our goal and our heart and our hope is this, is that we want to continue to plaster that board out there with those crosses as we get the opportunity to share the gospel with people, tell people about Christ. And we're doing that to gauge, we're doing that to be a reminder, and we're doing that to, to celebrate. Because I believe with everything in me that as we share, God's going to open the heart of people and he's going to rescue and redeem and save. And that's what we'll see uh, this morning. And so for me, a few weeks ago, I was teaching in the youth on a Wednesday night. And as I was teaching, I'd made a comment in my teaching that um, years ago when I was a student pastor, there was a statistic out there that was around 40%, something in that area, that if someone didn't uh, come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior before they graduated high school, then the chances of them were being saved was only like 40, 40% after high school graduation. And so, and I love this about our youth because they're vocal. They're like, ah, I don't believe, ah, that's a bit high. I think that's a bit high. And my response was, well, we'll Google it, right? We've got access to all kinds of information. So just Google it real quick. They Googled it and they come back. And so this is the statistic. It says this. It says 6% will be saved after graduating high school. If that, yeah, 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 good, good. I want you to feel that for a moment. Oh, wow, it's a great response. 
What that statistic said is this, is that after graduating high school, if that person has not come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the chance of them being saved after graduation, high school graduation, is only that of 6%. Only that of 6%. Like, that, that rocked me a little bit. Like, like that got my attention. Even, like, like 40% is horrible. I don't even know what to say about 6%. I mean, that, that has just wrecked me is what it did. Wrecked me. 6% if they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before they graduate high school. Have come to faith, been born again. Only 6% will be saved. So we got work to do, y'all. Like, we got work to do in our kids, in our, our middle school kids, elementary school kids, in our, in our high school kids. We've got work to do, even outside of that, because I know that this says 6%, but you know what the great thing and the great news about percentages is? They can fluctuate. So, so we, we can help be a part and a catalyst in changing that 6%. And, and so what if we were committed to 1,000 this year, say next year let's go 2,500 people we share the gospel with. And then the next year 5,000 people. The next year let's, do, let's get 10,000 people. And, and besides that, let's start, let's start getting outside the walls and let's start uh, uh, hitting the ground running with sharing the gospel to the nations. I mean, who knows what God can do? Just even in, in our little old church of, of, of shaping and changing that 6%, if we say, hey, we're going to be committed to seeing that thing get to 10%. I mean, we want 10% in the next five years. I mean, that's astronomical in, in the size of our world and people that graduate who don't know Jesus. If we could just see that thing shift, if we could just be that serious about presenting the gospel and sharing the gospel. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the parable of the seed and the sowers. And so this parable is a parable that deals with four kinds of soils. You're going to see that in the story. Um, you'll kind of be made aware of that here in a few minutes. And so what I want to do is I just want to, I just want to point out how Jesus interprets everyone as a way of hearing the word. Each soil is a way of hearing the word or hearing the gospel. So this is a parable about hearing. This is what it's a parable about. It's a parable about sowing seeds, spreading the gospel, sharing, all that. But it's also a parable about, about hearing the word, hearing the gospel. And so in verse 5, what you see uh, is you see some seed here. And this seed, like I said, is the word, it's the gospel. And so some seed or some word is what Jesus says in verse 5 that fell beside the road and the birds of the air, they come and they eat it up. And then what happens over in verse 19, he's going to interpret that for his disciples. And he says this, he says, those beside the road, there, those who have heard. And then what happens is you've got the devil who comes in and he takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So you've got a sower sowing seed. And so really the parable is not about a guy out throwing out seed, right? That's, that's the, earthly, uh, the earthly illustration, the earthly picture. And then the heavenly meaning is something far, far greater than a dude just sowing some seed along the way. Because what we see there is that the devil, because the devil's not going to come like, like, like just take up the corn crop or the whatever crop or the plant. No, no, it's, it's something greater, far greater at stake. Those who have heard, the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. So, so that's one kind of hearing. They hear it, and as they hear the word, maybe they start to perceive it, maybe they start to listen to it, maybe whatever happens, and then in that, the darkness of this world snatches it away, takes away from their mind, takes away from their hearing, takes away from what they've been presented, and takes it from them. Church, spiritual warfare is a real thing. 
Uh, I mean, there are things happening. In, and yeah, yeah, Scott, you're right. There are things happening in our world. You're right, but there's something even far, far greater at play than that behind the scenes that we can't see, that, that, that we have no clue about. And that's what Jesus reminds us here. That we have a real enemy that wants to devour, that wants to kill, that wants to steal, that wants to destroy, that's a liar, a manipulator, a deceiver. That's who he is. And what does he do? He comes and he takes away this word from their heart. And then going on as he tells the story, you've got other seed who uh, fall on rocky soil, and as soon as it grows up, it withers away because it has no root. And so then he interprets it over in verse 21, and he says this, those on the rocky soil are those who, uh, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And they have no firm root, and so they believe for a while, and then in time, uh, when temptation comes, they fall away. So they hear it, they like it, okay, this is cool, this is good. And then some little thing comes their way, some little thing that may seem better, some little thing, uh, some sort of temptation comes along, and then what happens? They, they give in the temptation, and they chase after the temptation. And they fall away from it. They don't, it hasn't been implanted within their heart. They haven't really heard in a way that it's taken root and it grows. Because they received the word with joy at first, but they have no firm root. And so that belief, that faith is there for a while, so it would seem only in time though, right? Something comes along, temptation, whatever it may be, and it draws them away. And that's the second kind of hearing. And then verse 7, what you have as Jesus continues to tell the story, you've got this other seed that fall among the thorns. And the thorns grow up with it and it chokes it out. And then in verse 22, what he does is he interprets it. He says this, The seed which fell among the thorns, uh, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit of maturity. That's the third kind of hearing there. So you've got seed that fall, and as it falls, all this, the thorns and the thistles, which is not really thorns and thistles. What, what Jesus says it is, is it's the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Which I think is probably maybe a good picture representation of what's happened in the church today. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I like Jesus. Yes, I'm for Jesus. Yes, I believe. Oh, wait, there's something better that's come along. Uh, oh, oh, wait, there's something else that's maybe can, yeah, I can, yeah, there's something else that's all of that kind of stuff. Or, uh, the, the pleasures of life, the riches of life. And, and, and hear me, God's not against money. God's not against you enjoying life. He just doesn't want that enjoyment of life to be your all. He wants to be your all. That, that's true salvation. Jesus is my everything. Jesus is my desire. Jesus is, is all for me. That's what true salvation is. That's what true faith is. And what this reveals in this story here with this seed being thrown out, the pleasures of life is, is far more important than uh, uh, the obedience of following Jesus. And so when something else comes along, what do they do? They, they run after. They take off. They, they try to get and obtain and have. And then in verse 8, Jesus, as he tells the story, he says, Other seed fall into the, to the good soil, and it grows up, and it produces grain of 160 and 30. And so he interprets it. And what he interprets it as is he says this. He says, But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold fast to it, and it bears fruit with perseverance. That's what he says. That's the fourth kind of fruit, and that's where, you see, that's where you see a return in it, 100%, some 60, some 30. But it's growing, and it's producing, and it's bearing fruit. And here we just, that's what salvation does. And I'm not saying that, that as we walk with the Lord, as we grow in the Lord, there's not times of just uh, the mundane day-to-day -day stuff, or there's times where we take a step back, and two, one step forward, and two steps back, and the, it's a struggle to follow Jesus, hear me. 
I'm not saying that we're, that's why I always say it's not perfection, it's pursuit. It's not perfection, it's the process. That's what we're in, not perfection, but we're in pursuit of, we're in process with, we're growing and being shaped and being molded. And sometimes it's in those times where we fail and we fall that God really teaches us and uses uh, to show us and help us. So it's not about perfection here, but what it is about is growth. And so if you're here this morning and you claim to be a follower of Jesus or you claim to be, to be born again or to be saved and there is not any growth that's taking place in your heart, I would just lovingly challenge you, are you really His? Because healthy, good things, things grow. 160, 30. I would even go down and say it's maybe 5 to 3% sometimes. It's just the reality of walking and following after Jesus. There are times where it seems to be, be more and sometimes it doesn't. The thing is this, is that there is growth, there is pursuit, there is progress. And so then what happens here is in verse 9, and this is where we we'll sort of kind of dive in for a few minutes and dig around a little bit. This is what we kind of get to see the point about hearing. When, when Jesus is really going to kind of bring some things out and make us aware of some things here, especially as it pertains to hearing. And in verse 9 he says this, he says, He who has ears, let him hear. Kind of a weird statement, isn't it? Well, duh. I mean, if you've got ears, you're going to hear, right? He who has ears. Man, I wish my kids could get that. Um, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus makes this statement with his disciples after he's told these parables. He makes this statement to those that are gathered there hearing these stories that he's telling. And he, he, he makes this, this, this weird statement, he who has ears, let him hear. And so what he's saying, what we can uh, uh, see from this is that it's not enough just to have ears on the side of your head. It's not enough just to have, have those because everybody has those. But, but it's a different kind of hearing is what Jesus is talking about here. It's a different kind of hearing uh, that only some people have, that only some people can hear. What Jesus is saying is this, is that there is a spiritual ear that allows the heart to hear and be affected in such a way as to hear more than just words. That, that when you hear a certain thing, it's not just words proceeding from the mouth of Jesus. But there is a working and a doing that's greater than that. Like it, it happens like this often in my house. I don't know why, but well, I do know why. But, um, uh, so there, there are times my wife will look at me and say, Scott, Scott did, did you hear me? Yeah, boo, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah. Like three hours later, well, why haven't you done I said, done what? You know that thing that I asked you to be about or to do or to take care of or to, wives, don't be poking husbands. Just, hey, sit there and just let the word of God be the word of God right now, okay? Um, but like, 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 remember, Scott, we had this conversation? I'm like, yeah, we did, didn't we? I was like, just refresh me for just the beginning part of it. And so she goes back into it, and she goes like, oh, you did say that. Well, see, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. There were words coming out of her mouth, which I heard coming out of the English language, which I'm aware of and know and can process and formulate meanings to but I just didn't do anything with it. And, and it's almost as you read this and see this, he who has ears, let him hear. It, it's kind of one of those things that there's an ear that hears the preaching of the word as more than just words. It, it's more than just all oh, Jesus, all salvation, all sin, all brokenness, all redemption, all grace. I mean, those are words that are heavy, weighty, great, amazing words. But, but if you just hear those words, and yeah, okay, they've got a meaning. But for those of us in the room who can hear those words, 
See, see, that's why so many, like the songs we sing, we want to make sure and purposefully have a truth that points back to the reality of who Jesus is. That's why we want to, we want to sing everything that's going to uh, orient our heart back to the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. Because we want to hear those words. We want to see those words. We want to sing those words. We want to be reminded of those words. We want to let those words have weight on our soul. We want to let those words shape and mold us and, and let us glory all the more in the presence of Jesus. Let us sing back to and reflect back to how great and how awesome and how amazing he is. And yes, those words are weighty even if you're not saved this morning, even if you're not a part of the church this morning. Uh, they, they, are, they are weighty words, but they carry a much different weight for those who are born again and are his. Because when you talk about being redeemed, being bought back, being purchased, being forgiven, being made right, you talk about redemption for the born-again child of God. Oh, man, yes. To think about all that God has done for me through Jesus Christ, of which I deserve none of, carries a much different weight than if just somebody says it and don't know and understand and hasn't been made alive and awoke in Jesus Christ. So there's, so there's an ear that hears the preaching of the word as more than just words. And there's a, a hearing that woos and it draws and it beckons the heart to come, to come alive by faith. This is what Jesus is talking about. So see, that's the kind of hearing Jesus is telling the people. It's a hearing of the gospel that makes them aware of their great need for Jesus. That's it. That, that's what he's talking about. That's what this text is about. He who has ears, let him hear. And so I would even encourage it this morning. Those of you in the room who has ears, let, let them hear what, what Jesus is proclaiming and telling us this morning. Those of you in the room who belong to Jesus, have ears and hear what it is that he says to us through his word, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the proclamation of the gospel, through his word. Have ears and hear. And for those of you this morning who've walked in this room, Maybe that's you too. Maybe this morning will be the morning that you have ears to hear what he has to say, what he wants to say. And maybe in the past this has been like a thing that you just do or you just come to or you kind of like or you tolerate or your crazy neighbor won't leave you alone or, or your wife won't get off your back or whatever the case is. And so for maybe this morning for the first time, God's going to give you ears to hear what it is that he's saying and to be able to behold the beauty and the greatness and the grandeur of our, of our Savior. Maybe that's what this morning is going to be for you. I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that people that walk in and out week in and week out, there are some who come in and out week in and week out who has ears, but they don't hear. They don't hear what God's saying. They don't hear what God's doing. They don't see and perceive and understand the beauty and the greatness of Jesus. And so that's what this text is about. Yeah, we're to sow seed. We're to throw out seed. But we need to understand something. Not everybody has ears to hear what we're going to proclaim and what we're going to share and what we're going to tell of. And that's quite all right. We continue to do it. We continue to do it because what we know, what we, what we draw from this in verse 23 as he interprets, there's going to be a day that, that some of that seed is going to take. And there's going to be a day that there's going to be growth and there's going to be life that's going to happen as a result of us spreading the seed, sharing the seed, telling of the gospel. And so we continue to do it regardless of the outcome. Because church, the outcome's not up to us. I mean, that's the most freeing thing that you can ever walk in. So, so for your neighbor, for your cousin, for your family member, for your, your co-worker, for your, uh, the, the person that's in uh, the second period with you, wherever, whatever facet you're in in life, you continue to share, you continue to tell, and one day the prayer is that God will give them ears to hear what he has to say, what he has to say and what he, he has said. 
And so that's what he's going to stress here in the issue is hearing is that they need to hear all the more. He's going, to, he's going to explain the purpose of these parables in this type of a situation. Because what we see there in verse 10 is the disciples begin to question. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you telling these parables? Why are you sharing these parables? And then Matthew 13, 11, he answers. And he says this to them. He says, to you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of heaven. He says, you've got ears to hear is what he's saying. You've got, you can hear it, you can perceive it, you can understand it, you get it. There, you've been given that opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. But to others it's not been given. And so this is kind of a shocking statement here. It's kind of like a, like, oh, like a little, what do we do with that? Well, we do exactly what Jesus would do with it. We look at it, we press in, we try to figure out what Jesus is saying here. What's he trying to tell? What's he trying to share with? What's he trying to get us to understand? And what it points to is this, is that to those whom Jesus has chosen, the mystery of his kingdom is open, and he's given them the gift of understanding. He's given them the gift of understanding and being able to know and perceive and walk in that faith to it. And then what happens in verse 13 is he just continues to kind of pull back the curtain and give us more understanding to what's going on, what's happening at a deeper level. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And this, he says, is one of the reasons he uses parables. This is why Jesus would tell stories. This is why he would tell parables, so that hearing they may not understand. And so parables are part of Jesus' concealing and hardening uh, ministry as well as parts of revealing and saving in ministry. That's what it is. He would tell a story and some would get it. He would tell a story and some wouldn't get it. Which, again, Matthew 13, 14 through 15, he just quotes uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. And he said, he, this is what he says. He, he quotes that here in Matthew 13 and he says this. He says, go and tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. And, and so the meaning of this, what Jesus is saying is this, is that time had run out for these people here in Isaiah. It had run out for them. God's word is no longer effective in saving them. Their, 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 their hearts are hardened. It was only effective in rendering their hearts insensitive and their ears dull and their eyes dim. They had heard it, they had heard it, they had heard it. They hadn't believed. They hadn't returned to. And so as a result of that, their heart, their heart gets hardened. They, they rebel even more. They want nothing to do with. I mean, look at our world today. Can we not see this lived out and played out? We even stand up and proclaim anything of Jesus. That is contrary to the flow of mainstream. Is, is it not, it's not welcomed with open arms. There's hostility. There, there's name calling. There, there's a ton that comes with that. And so then what Jesus does here in verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes. Who? He's talking to the disciples here. Matthew 13, 16. He's talking to us in the room who are his. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. So if you're here today and you've been made aware to see the beauty of Jesus and to hear the call to believe, you're blessed. Man, you are, you're blessed and it's such a blessing. Deep-seated joy is what he's talking about here. Not happiness, but deep-seated joy regardless of circumstance and situation. Because church, hear me. There is nothing greater than knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Nothing greater. And I've got, like, I've got some great things in my life that I absolutely love and adore and treasure and value of, of the highest value. 
but they fall woefully short, woefully short compared to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it's not because Jesus gives me everything that I think that I want and should have, but it's because he has given me everything that I've ever needed. And the only thing that I've ever really truly ever needed is to be made right with God. Where the blessing comes from. That's what's so great about the proclamation of the gospel. That's what's so great about this story here is that, is that the seed is being sown, it's being thrown out there. And for whatever reason, he's allowed me to see, he's allowed me to hear, he's allowed me to perceive and move toward in faith. And that's what's so amazing. That's what's so great. That's what's so beautiful about the presentation and the proclamation of the gospel. And so that's where the blessing comes, this deep seated joy. Because being made aware of, God has called me, he's wooed me, he's drawn me to himself, and he has saved me, and he's given me the gift of faith to believe. And then what I love here in verse 18 as we start to wind down is this. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. He says, hear it. He tells his disciples, hear this, get this. Because what we know from this parable, what we know from this story is this, is that the sower are those who proclaim the gospel. And so that's what's so beautiful about the Word of God, right? Living and active. I've never looked at it from the, the realm of hearing. I've only looked at it as from the realm of, hey, we need to go tell. We need to share. There's going to be some hearts that aren't going to receive it and take it, but there's going to be some that do, and we don't know who that is. And so we've been commissioned with going and telling and proclaiming. That's what we've been commissioned to. We all get all like worked up and amped up about, well, what's the, God, what's the will of God for my life? Like, like this is one of those things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to think about, you don't have to try to, it takes all the guesswork out of it for us. I don't know about you, but like, I need that. Like, I, I just, I mean, I, I need things stupid proof sometimes. And this is one of those stupid proof moments. Scott, just tell people about me. You, you want to know what the will, church, you want to know what the will for your life is this morning? It's to tell people about Jesus. It's to share the glorious news of the gospel. To, to love people like Christ loved you. To make disciples, like there's just certain things we don't have to pray about. That he's just outlined and he's just given us and he's just told us. That if we would just walk in glad obedience to that, man, how much further along we would be and what God would be doing in our life and in our church. So hear then the parable of the sower. The sower is just the one who proclaims the gospel. The seed in the story that's been thrown out is the gospel itself. And the ground of the, that the seed falls on is man's heart. It's how they hear. It's how they perceive. It's how they understand. And so you have the disciples, and they could understand the deeper meaning of this. Why? Because, because their faith allowed their eyes to see and their ears to hear who Jesus is and what he is saying. And Jesus granted the same thing to some others in that day. And he's doing the same work in our day. Doing the same work in our day to be about and to share like this. And so as the band comes back up, my question for you is this. Have you heard and have you understood the gospel? Do you have ears to hear who Christ is and what he's accomplished and what he's done by way of the cross, but by purchasing and redeeming and making a way? I mean, like, have, you, have you really heard it? I mean, not, not, the, not the goofy, crazy guy that's standing on the stage yelling at you and telling you all about Jesus and stuff like that. And, oh, okay, yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard it, yeah. Because like the consensus that I found, and again, I'm, I'm not from around here, I'm a transplant, right? I'm from West Virginia, which we really don't know what we are, north, south, ah, whatever we are. Like, right? We're just confused. We, we're mountain-loving, confused people is what we are. And so the consensus has been for me, and this, this is why like, I, like, probably you Southerners don't like me for doing this, but you'll get over it, um, or you'll pray to God and he'll help me get over it. Um, the thing that I like about people moving into our area from out of the area, because we're Bible Belt, 
And what that means, what, what I've taken the Bible, the Bible Belt used to mean something different back then than it does today. I think the Bible Belt today is like, oh, bless your heart, good old religion. Yeah, I go to church a couple times a month maybe, or granddaddy did, and I'm good, and I'm in, and I've done my thing, and I know a few verses, and Jesus, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with him, we're cool. And that kind of stuff. In my day when I first moved here, that's what I kind of found and took the Bible Belt to mean and to be. But now, y'all, and yeah, I've, I've adapted in some of your vernacular and vocabulary, y'all, which is a combination of you and all, and you put it together, and y'all. It's just like a one-word thing now, and it's awesome. I love it. But what I've learned and what I've seen is this, is that with people moving in from all over the place, there's no more of that sweet, bless your little heart, yeah, I'll listen to you and take it and appease you for the moment. Or, or you ask that question, hey, do you know? Yeah, yeah, everybody knew Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus. No, not everybody does. Not everybody wants to give you the time to tell them about it. Not everybody cares how your little feelings feel and all that kind of stuff. Bless your little heart. Bless your little heart back to, like, they don't care about all that stuff anymore. And I love it, y'all. And the reason why I love it is this, because we can quit playing the dumb games. You know what I'm saying? We can actually listen to and have interaction with and in that be able to pick up a little bit better where somebody may be in Jesus or not in Jesus. Because unless you want to be really, really offensive whenever you ask that question about Jesus, and it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm saying, and you want to press that a little bit further, well, well, how do you know you're saved? Well, that's super offensive. The one I love is the way I kind of always use it is, hey, do you go to church somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I do. And then I use it, well, where do you go? Oh, well, it's that, it's that, uh, that one, it's down there on the end. You make the preacher, he's like, eh, yeah, that one. Okay, you go. And then my follow-up question is usually, so, so you believe, because going to church doesn't save you. It just doesn't. Going to church, being here in this room this morning does not, does not point to the fact that you're saved or not saved. It's great that you're here and we should be here, but salvation is relationship with Christ. That's what salvation is. It's coming to faith and it's seeing ourselves as sinful, wicked, and lost and in need of a Savior. And then God gives us ears to hear that reality and that need of Him. And in that, He brings us to life through faith by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so my follow-up question would always be, so, so, okay, so you go to church, so you're a believer, which kind of from my, I go to church, and I say, yeah, but that has nothing to do with salvation. Tell me about the time you come to faith. And that'll really get people kind of worked up and squirming and kind of, oh, what you doing? But, but what this does is it shows us and it tells us a number of things about the heart and character of God. Is that he's going to save He's going to save and he's going to work and he's going to do it. He's going to make his glory known. He's going to put his son out front to draw and redeem and rescue. He reminds us that there's an enemy that we're fighting that we're battling against that, that dis- despises the soul of man and does not want the soul of man to be connected with anything of God or Jesus. And he's going to do everything he can to take that and to strip that uh, through the demonic powers, all kinds of different ways to strip us of that. And that God's going to work, and he's going to add to, and he's going to give people's ears to hear. So we pray and we tell. That's what we do. We pray and we tell. We pray and we tell. And so have you heard? Have you understood the gospel? Do you know the gospel? See, see the point of verse 18 is to, to interpret what was happening in the four soils. That's what Jesus is doing here. Hear the parable of the sower. He tells them that. Because three times it comes true, right? Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. That's what it says there in those first three. And then you get to the fourth, that one time, that fourth soil. The opposite comes true. Matthew 13, 12 says, For for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. 
And so what Jesus is saying is this, church, is if you hear with an honest and good heart, then more will be given to you. If you follow and go after with an honest, sincere heart, more is going to be given. You want more? Follow closer. Go after harder. Seek more. Love greater. That's what you do. And he's going to add to. So the reality is this. For those of us in this room, those that are watching online today or later on in this week, whenever, in the future, only two types of people. Two types of people. That's it. Which, which are you? Which are you? Are you the one that has heard with just ears? And it hasn't taken root? Or are you one that's heard with the ears of the Holy Spirit working and doing, and you have heard the Word of God, and you have abandoned everything else in faith, and you've ran to, and you've fallen, and you've claimed through faith all that Christ has done for you. So if you believe, if you believe Christ, and then as a result of that, what you do is you share and you, you spread seed. And he's going to use the seed to save. He's going to use the seed to, to make aware. He's going to give ears to hear. That's what he's going to do. But he's commissioned and called us to do it. To hear and then to spread and pray. To hear and to spread and pray. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I don't, I don't know if maybe you just kind of wondered. I don't, know, I don't know where you're at. But the good news is this, is the gospel's been proclaimed. And, and I've prayed all week that God would give people ears to hear what he has to say. Not, not what I have to say, not the goofy little stories, not the dumb little stuff here and there, not the, uh, but, but, but that you would, re, you would hear louder than the words that are being proclaimed out of my mouth. And those who have ears to hear knows exactly what that means. It's this drawing and wooing of the Holy Spirit. It's that seed that has finally hit fertile ground and it's starting to take root. And what I would encourage you of this morning is this, is don't sit there. D don't sit there. When that seed hits, you do something about it. When, when you have ears to hear, don't, don't just sit there and be okay, well, next week we'll sit. No, 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 you go immediately to someone and share and let them know. And let them begin to pray with you. Let them begin to walk with you. Let them begin to, to help you navigate through what it means to be a believer in Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of his. You let that stuff sit there too long, the, the worries of the world, you're going to snatch it. The temptation is going to come along, take it. The thorns and the thistles are going to grow up and drown it out. Or the evil one's going to remind you, that dumb dude on the stage doing whatever. Ah, do you know what, you know, you know, let me tell you some stuff about his life. Yeah, you're dang right. I'm a wreck just like everybody else. I've got issues just like everybody else. I struggle just like everybody. Yes, I'm not standing up here proclaiming that I don't. But what I do plead and what I do have is the blood of Christ on me. And so I'm made perfect and right in him, not in me, in him. So don't sit there and not work, not move. Don't, don't, don't leave this place not knowing him. If he's given you ears here, to hear this morning, and you come, let us pray for you. And as you leave, as you leave, you go and you spread seed and you tell and you pray and you let this world know. You let this world know. God is going to save. He's going to give ears to hear. So Father, help us this morning to hear what you have to say, what you're accomplishing, what you're doing. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Father, we're going to open up this altar for people to come and pray. God, I pray that they come and they pray for their, their lost friends, their lost neighbors, their lost family members. Father, and I pray that you give them the boldness, the courage. Father, I know it takes courage and boldness, and there's a fear of rejection and a number of things that come with it, Father. But I pray that you would, God, give them the courage to overcome that and be one who spreads and shares of the good news of you.
Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do this morning in this place. Father, give us ears to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys stand. They're going to lead us. Jimmy's down here. I'm here. Would love to talk to you more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, what it means to, sh- uh, to spread the seed. Anything we can pray for you about, we count it an honor. But you be obedient to the Lord in this moment.